Marcus Greer was a quiet kid growing up in Queens, facing many challenges, including an absentee father and a drug-dealing mother, whose life was tragically cut short. Leading a life of drug-dealing and violent crime puts Marcus in peril himself, and within moments from death. Will Marcus in fact get rich or die trying? Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club. This is a show for Gen X hip hop fans who want to relive the glory days and reconsider classic and modern hip hop films from a current day perspective. Together, we'll explore some of the larger societal issues raised in these films. Whether you have or have not seen Get Rich or Die Trying before, we'll help you decide if you should take the time to watch it now. Either way, you'll be a smarter hip hop fan by the end of this episode. In the next 30 minutes or so, you'll get all this and more. We're three old heads who put their old heads together to vibe on these films for you. I'm Dino Wright, podcaster, filmmaker, longtime hip-hop fan, and I'm a fan of 50 Cent's acting work in his vitamin water commercial with NBA legend Steve Nash. I'm JB, oh, 80s yeah. and 90s nostalgia junkie, longtime hip-hop fan, and I did, in fact, own a pair of parachute pants back in the 80s. <laughs> those, those pants had no less than 10 zippers, I swear. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm Boogie, a DJ, longtime hip hop fan, and I saw a Curtis Blow and Sugar Hill Gang concert over the summer. Nice. In this episode, we'll answer the question Should you die trying to see this movie? Get Rich or Die Trying is a 2005 crime drama starring Curtis 50 Cent Jackson with some, with some autobiographical elements. It tells the story of the hard scrabble upbringing of Marcus Greer navigating life marred by tragedy. He deals drugs from a young age, gets caught up in a life of violent crime, navigates his love life in rap game, despite major setbacks. Let's get right into it. Marcus Greer is the main protagonist here, played by 50 Cent. What was Marcus's upbringing like, such as who were the major influences in his life? Boogie, I want to kick us off with that. Yeah. So in the beginning, we see, you know, Marcus had a tight bond with his mother, but he didn't know who his father was. And unfortunately, his mother was murdered while he was young. And he ended up staying with his grandparents and it seemed like every family member that stayed with him. His mother used to spoil him a lot when she would, you know, while she would go out and she sold drugs. But when she, you know, she always bought him his the latest sneakers or, you know, his, his fresh his fresh clothes. But after he had to go stay with his grandparents, he got tired of getting, being laughed at and decided to sell drugs to buy them new sneakers. Later on down the line, he comes in contact with Mark Majestic, who was actually one of the local, I guess you would have called him, he's an underboss because he wasn't the big boss, as we find out later on. But Majestic took Marcus in, kind of almost like a father figure, but they introduced him to the to the drug game on a different level, but uh, and showed him the rules of how to hustle and everything like that. But as he as Marcus got older, he did kind of rec- seem like he did seem to reconcile with his grandparents. So his grandparents were still around to a certain extent, and then he found his uh, long lost friend and. Charlene and they developed a, a love relationship. Luckily, she probably was one of his the best thing that happened to him in the movie, <laughs> because if she wouldn't have, you know, kind of kept him going, who knows what he would have spiraled out of control. But then there was a 
Levar Cahill, who was the the main boss of the whole the whole circuit, who actually took a liking to Marcus, but through Majestic's sneakiness, got him put away for a long time. But I think the major influence, I would probably say, unfortunately, Majestic was a major influence in his life. Um, his grandparents were somewhat there as he got a little, were there when he was younger and were somewhat there when he got older. Um, Charlene was de- was definitely a, a strong influence as she developed, you know, they developed their relationship and she became pregnant with Marcus's child. That kind of gave him, gave him a little bit more focus in life as well. But other than that, most most people in there were trying to, you know, be cliche, get rich or die trying. <laughs> yeah, I think you covered it really well. Mother was dealing drugs, and he would see this firsthand. We see this in some of these movies where, as a young child, they're exposed to this life of crime, and they think that that's their only way out. And especially not, you know, not having both parents, having both parents out of the picture, unfortunately, leaves him on his own. He was dealing drugs from the age of 12, it looked like, something real, real young. And he was getting into fights because it was very territorial, as we see. So it's just a hard scrabble upbringing. Anything else to add on that, Dinah Wright? It's kind of, we've seen this kind of story before. Hard Scrabble upbringing. He loves rap music, and so that's a dream he has, or the protagonist has. So, really, wasn't as I didn't think it was all of that interesting. Like, like we've seen it so many times, but uh, the angle of or the mother being the drug dealer, and she was actually kind of a strong influence, like a positive influence in his life. He's just had a weird job of being a drug dealer. Uh, that was kind of nice. Um, there was like real love there, yeah. and um, it's just too bad uh, she didn't live that long to right. see, yeah. see him like get out of the uh, out of the out of the struggle there. Yeah, yeah. there was like that one line I think when she was telling him, she made she said, "You know, promise me that you're going to treat treat girls, you know, you're going to treat them right. You're yeah, gonna right. You're going to do right by them." Yeah, you know, yeah. To hear that coming from from the mother, no matter what he does throughout his life, that's always got to sit in the back of his head to a certain extent, you know, especially coming from his mother. Yeah, it's a perfect segue of treating women right. So let's talk about his love interest, Charlene, that you referenced before, Buggy. I'll I'll kind of give the background. Mm-hmm. Charlene was Marcus's really good childhood friend. They spent a lot of time together. When he said, "Can I go out and play?" You know, he would go over and go to her, her house and they would, they would play child games. So he was really close with her. And in fact, he started rapping about her and he had that song, best friend that he put on a cassette and it did have some suggestive lyrics that he didn't really know what it, what it all meant uh, at the time. And her parents, I, I, I think, you know, had heard it. She was sent off to move and live with her step parents. So, and then, as you mentioned, they reunite several years later. They're both grown up, and he's living the thug life while he's trying to break into the music industry. And you know, she was, I think, teaching dance classes and trying to do her own thing. And then they reconvene, reconnect, and 
it was it was nice to see them reconnect. And then she's trying to comprehend, like, what do you do for a living? What do you do? He's like, I'm a gangster. He said, what? I'm a rapper. I'm a gangster rapper. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was a kind of funny piece. Yeah. Yeah, I did like the character of Charlene. Yeah, she provides a nice moral counterweight to his life of crime. Um, yeah. I didn't appreciate, and this this is not uncommon, but the the girl gets in trouble for the man's advances, and so she got sent away because like a, a boy liked her. Uh, I mean, that's uh, I know it's just a story, but yeah. um, there's a sort of uh, there there's a misogyny that's yeah. kind of packaged in this story somewhere, and oh yeah, um, it's it's. You know, it also serves the story that she has to go away and then they come back for this nice reunion. But yeah, that that, that part was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if this actually happened or not. I mean, I don't, I don't know that of that of the. We'll talk about this, but yeah, what parts are real and fictitious uh, as opposed to uh, in relation to Fifty Cent's actual life? Right. So, like, like you said, like you know, he made he makes a song suggestively and. At some point, you got to realize that, you know, hey, this is our daughter. We told her right from wrong. Like, <laughs> we, we, you, you would want to have faith in your parenting skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know, but you got to go away. That was like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> she did nothing. <laughs> she did nothing wrong. I'm sure, like, they've seen worse things on the street or heard yeah. worse things yeah. Um, with yeah. in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, it was something that you kind of have a conversation about. Maybe you come over to the house, speak to the grandparents or whatever, and say teachable moment. Yeah, teachable moment, exactly. right? But yeah, yeah, it's being sent away. So that was yeah, that was kind of interesting. Instead, you have a plot contrivance. There you go. Right. It wasn't like it wasn't like you know it was just Marcus and Charlene hanging out. It was like Marcus, Charlene, Antoine was there. Like it was a couple other kids that you don't see what, as they get older. But Antoine was one of the kids. <laughs> Like they were all hanging out. It was a group of them. She just happened to be the one girl in the group. She yeah. was probably a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just looked out on a, a great teachable moment. But I, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, Joy yeah. Bryant it was very yeah. good in this. Yeah, she's a gem. She's a gem. Everything I've seen her in, even if it's a minor role, she's been really good. How did Marcus become a rap star? How did he develop his rap game? I know in early on he had bars since he was a child. He was writing and there was a scene early on with his mother. She she heard him rapping at like three AM. She's like, Marcus, it's three AM. Oh I didn't realize that. And uh when he ultimately gets imprisoned, he takes it to a new level because he has that time and that kind of kept him sane. But how do you how do you both see his development into becoming a, a rap star. So it was the one, so there was one funny scene that made me laugh. It was when after he decided to not stay with the grandparents anymore and he went and got that place by himself. He said, and now I got my own place and now I can focus on my, becoming a rapper. And he sits down and he starts trying to get through the, the one line. Okay. And he starts over, he tries to get through the one line again. He tries to get through the one line again. And then he paused it. Dang, I should have wrote that down. He's like, well, I'm hungry. I guess I'm t- my rap- time to be a rapper tonical. I make this money. It's like, 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I'm done with this rap thing. I'm going to go back to just selling drugs full time. It was like the I shortest, gave up. shortest rap career ever. It was like mm-hmm. an hour. Oh, man. Other people that review this movie have talked about how there's not enough about his progression as a rapper and there's too much about the crime stuff. And I agree. You know, he turned, he went from this life to, to a, a rapper's uh, successful life. And you don't really see all that much of it. And you see some of it, you see pieces of it. I wish I had say, saw more of it. Uh, Cause that was interesting to me. Like we had seen in hustle and flow. Like we always saw uh, DJ work on his stuff. Right. You know, it's true. Uh, it's another rags to riches story. Yeah. And so dramatic, in fact, that he was on the verge of death when he got shot nine times. Um, There's this duel with the Colombian gang, and they're just always shooting up each other. And But in this case, it was a hit that was out from Majestic's crew that he was ambushed. But I think that the thing about the rap game, which makes it so impressive... He was shot in the face, and he had a bullet in the tongue, and he ends up having a slurred type of speech. And that is something that's unique to his style and flow. And you know, if you remember when he was rehabbing, he actually moved out to the Poconos in real life, and I think out to the mountains, and Charlene was helping him barely can walk and, and couldn't talk. And then when he can finally get on the microphone, his speech is slurred. but as he got better from it, it was a unique style. So it, it's something unique, um, in- interesting. Where where you like, if someone didn't know the backstory and you hear Fifty Cent's style, like man, he doesn't really enunciate. And, you know, he's got an interesting flow. But now we kind of know the backstory. I think the one good thing too. When they showed his progression, it, like you say, they hinted at little bits of the progression. Was Bama's character? Our oh, man, Terrence Howard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Terrence Howard. You know, he was he was in jail, and like it was just it was mere coincidence that they just happened to be in the shower at the same time when you know there was a parent hit on Marcus, and Bama was just there and said, okay, I guess I might try to help this guy. I didn't even know him. And intervene and, you know, started fighting off the guys and ended up getting a pretty severe beatdown from the corrections officers. And then they and then they met. They laying on the floor, you know, hands behind their back, cuffed. And they just introducing themselves like, hey, man, you, you saved my life. He's like, yeah, well, you look like you might have needed a little bit of saving. But, you know, when Marcus gets put in, it looks like he was almost, it looks like he might have been in solitary confinement because He's in there. You don't see anybody else interacting with him. And he starts kind of scratching. Looks like he scratched, might have been scratching lyrics into the wall. And he's like, you know, if I didn't express myself, I might have, you know, might have, you know, took my own life in there. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he's decided from that point on that he was going to start focusing on, you know, telling the truth and not letting anybody stand in his way of saying what was, you know, what was the truth. And Bama kind of started catching on to him and say, hey, this guy's got something. You know, let me see if I can try to get him, keep him focused by becoming his manager. And Bama got out, and when Marcus got out, you know, they start, they went right to it. And you see clips of Bama, you know, going up in the, into the clubs with the record. Like, hey, you know, you might want to play this. You know, put this on, try to play this. And, you know, they, they was hustling 
hustling out of the trunk or out of the bag on the streets, like, you know, real boots to concrete. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was kind of, kind of dope. But, um, that's very similar to what we saw in Hustle and Flow while yeah. DJ was locked up. That correlation between the two movies, <laughs> coincidentally, you have DJ in Hustle and Flow, but, you know, Bama is doing the same thing in, you know, this movie. So it was like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> oh, the funny line when when he said his name was Bama. Did you, you oh, catch yeah. that when laid down? He's, Are you from Alabama? Is that why you're calling him? He's like, no, I'm from Carolina. <laughs> I, yeah, why, why do you call Bama? I didn't want to be called Lina. That seems so, like, out, out there that it has to be true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder yeah. if this is part of the true stuff. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, we'll get to what's true and what's not or what we've heard. I don't even know if the character of Bama is true or not. I couldn't really yeah. find that or not. Yeah. If like his manager yeah, came out. I feel out like that we would have known if that was a real thing. Yeah, probably. Like, so that was probably so maybe, that, maybe that was written for the story. Written yeah, for the movie. Pr- probably. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask next, what was the dynamic between Majestic and Marcus? I know, Boogie, you already touched on that. Towards the beginning, where you know Majestic was Lavar's right hand man, kind of underling to the, to the big king kingpin Lavar, and he and he mentored uh, Marcus a bit, but then you know he yeah. he turns really heel because he's greedy and wants to run the whole empire. He was he was a bit of a snake. I mean, even just the fact that, you know, we find out down the road that he was actually the one who 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 murdered Marcus's mother, you know, out of a, out of jealousy. But um just the fact that he knew the whole time knowing that who he was and what he did, just trying to string Marcus along. And I think the reason why he, he was so into Marcus is because Marcus has such a strong work ethic. Where he, him and his crew were really just about making money upon making money upon making money. And they were really good at it. Had they been mediocre or even poorly, a poorly performing crew, I'm pretty sure Majestic wouldn't have, wouldn't have had such a strong hold to them. But he knew they were making him a lot of money. So he was just trying to ride the wave, you know, for lack of better words. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this could take us into the question of how much of Marcus's story was true to life of 50 cents story in real life. And let me just twist that back with majestic. We were just talking about, I, I don't know if you guys had looked it up or read, but that's supposed to be based on Kenneth Supreme McGriff, who was a New York drug Lord suspected of being, he was the one expected to be involved with the murder of jam master Jay uh, shooting. Uh-huh. Okay. The, the shooting of Jam Master J. In fact, I think it was 50 Cent had put some lyrics about McGriff in some of his songs, implicating him in some, some crimes and stuff like that. So that's why there was that, that beef. And also, his I, the rapper that was under McGriff's crew, or Majestic's crew, was called Dangerous, and that was actually supposed to Supposed to be Ja Rule, from what I read. So, <laughs> so you didn't look like him or sound like him, but you remember the comment in the movie where he says, 
where 50 Cent or his character says, I got shut up nine times and he's got these number one hits and it was dangerous on the radio. That was really Ja Rule because Ja Rule kept coming out with hit after hit while he was laid up with his, with his injuries from the shooting. So that was the parallel. Yeah. Majestic was, yeah. Majestic was McGriff and dangerous was actually Ja Rule. So in terms of what is real and what's fictitious in the movie, I was joking earlier. It's like, I kept wanting to call him Curtis because his name's Curtis Jackson in real life, if he said, but it's Marcus. So it's, there was, um, I, I found out that there was an interview that 50 Cent did with Conan O'Brien shortly after the film came out. And he said that the film was about 75% accurate. Yeah, I read so, that too. Yeah, about 25% was made up for the movie. I did watch it on the DVD and they had some behind the scenes footage and interviews. And the producer of the film was an Irishman named Jim Sheridan. The director. Um, the director, sorry, the director. Yeah. And he gave a lot of insight into it. He mentioned Ja Rule by name. And he also mentioned him and 50 became really close on the filming. 50 Cent said that his mother was actually killed by somebody putting something in her drink and then turning on the gas. So it wasn't that her body was burned at the stake, but it was still nefarious in nature. And also that he was shot in broad daylight and was actually in the car, whereas in the movie, he was, I guess, trying near his car or taking something out of the trunk. Behind his car. Behind his car. Yeah. And he was sh- like shooting back and trying to shoot back. But in real life, he was just ambushed in the car. Um, but yes, yeah, it partially autobiographical. That's good stuff. Yeah, it was, it was interesting to see. But uh, you do get a sense of overall. If you know nothing about 50 Cent and go in the movie, you see all the trauma that he goes through as a child. And yeah, I mean, he's no angel. He's shooting up folks and dodging bullets and he got tagged and tough road to hoe. I thought this was a funny tidbit. I was reading Roger Ebert's official review and he said, you know, about the title, get rich or die trying. He said, in a quote, he goes, get rich or die trying offers a limited range of choices, but we'll probably never see a film called get by and don't die. I just thought that was funny. (laughs) I was like, get rich or die try. I was like, there can't be anything in the middle. Like, what if I don't really obtain the riches and I don't want to have to die in pursuit of my wealth? You know, it's like, well, can I, yeah, can I just make a living and be a middle class, you know? <laughs> uh, get moderately, moderately wealthy. Yeah. Somewhat rich. Right, right, right. Live a life, long life. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if you're talking about folks like us, you know, you have like a corporate job or work in academia or something like that. Okay, it doesn't relate to this. It doesn't Mar- make Mark. It-, it doesn't equate. You can't compare because Marcus and and Curtis Jackson, Fifty Cent. You know, they grew up in these circumstances, and that seemed like the only way out. But it's it is an extreme. One or the other, get rich or not trying. But it's like yeah. a lot of folks in these circumstances. Um, it's kind of like what he did say. It's like get by, don't die. Like just survive. Ebert also says uh, the more accurate title might have been "I got rich, but just about everyone else died trying, and so did I almost." <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of was it Menace to Society that we covered recently 
and there's it was Charles S. Tutton's character was saying, just survive, right? Yeah. Like, don't get caught yeah. up in this. And like, mm-hmm. you almost wish that Marcus had a guardian like that that conveyed that message. He did have grandparents that were helpful, but like a sage advice, something like that. Although it didn't really help out. <laughs> Yeah, the protagonist Kane uh, in in Menace of Society, but still, it's that voice that he hears. And when you're talking about get Richard, I'm trying. It's more or less he was saying, "Just survive." You know, mm-hmm. as a young black male, you have a target on your back, and you have you're up against it, and you don't want to follow that path. And instead, we have majestic, you know, showing everyone how to how to cook crack. Telling <laughs> everyone that this is going to get us out of the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> I don't know about that. It didn't exactly escape from the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's a similarity to like New Jack City. If you throw back to that, yeah. it's like there's, there's this the form of cocaine that's out there on the street, and everybody's got the powder, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this crack is like it's like candy to everybody, and it's like this is a game changer. Yep, easier yep. to sell more. Attractive to the buyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can spread your, mm-hmm. your cocaine out and not have to give it all at once. You can spread it out and sell more of it. Right. So let's talk uh, like we do in most episodes about the soundtrack. Obviously, a lot of 50 Cent on here. When It Rains, It Pours. I like that track. I had heard that before, but it reminded me how good that one was. Hustler's Ambition. That's the song that plays, I think, at the end. Um, yeah, after like he the does that at the climax. end. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. Stage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Window Shopper was in there. Shopper, yeah. yep. so, so there's some songs that they played actually in the movie, like old school songs that be, that aren't really credited on the soundtrack. They're not on the soundtrack. But remember when he was in the car with his mom and they played I Can't Live Without My Radio by LL Cool J? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was loving hearing that. There was another. Did they they may have played a Beastie Boys song or something earlier on. Yeah. Did they play uh, Fight Fear Right the Party or something? Yeah, one of the scenes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there, there was one of, one of the one of the exterior scenes. Yeah. Yeah, so the how you say Misen scene. <laughs> it puts you back in the eighties when he's grown up. Because so I looked, he's around our age. Um Yeah. Yeah. So it was true to form with what was popular back then. And best friend, best friend is actually a song that he produced. You guys have probably heard that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he actually did put that track out there. Yep. I think the female is Olivia that he performs it with. Yeah, real life. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was actually wondering to myself, and and maybe this wasn't the point of the story. Is if you think about, because it's not totally autobiographical. Um, I was waiting to see where. The influence of like Eminem and Dr. Dre were influential in putting him more so on the map. You know, they kind of discovered him and brought him into Interscope Records, and yeah, um, that was in there. And then, I mean, in the club was his huge hit. Um, they, those two, those mm-hmm. things, those aspects weren't covered in the film. But again, it's probably because this was yeah. not totally the Fifty Cent story. Not to tell you a 50 cent story. And once you get to that point, it's kind of not that interesting. Like, oh, Eminem mm. and Dre help him. 
Right. And it's like, so what? A lot of movies do this. Like they, they, they only take you so far. Yeah, that's true. And then you, you, you kind of catch up to, to the rest of it. I, I know we, we covered a movie that, that happened in, I think I want to say it was, um, maybe it was straight out of Compton, but it was something like that where they don't really show you the entire progression. And yeah. the, the interesting part I thought that would have been, and I don't know how you would do this in the movie, but um, Jam Master J is very influential in, in getting his career going uh, before he gets to Eminem and Dre. And, you know, this connection with Kenneth McGriff, you know, possibly being the one that, that got Jay is, uh, I feel like they'd be interesting, but then again, it's not really 50 cent story. This is like based on his, based on his life and not actually his life. So, right. yeah, I, I had the same kind of like, I wonder what they would have done if they if they had mentioned Eminem and, and stuff like that in the in this film. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they save that for part two if there was going to be a part two. <laughs> you got rich. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McGriff is still in serving a life sentence. Um, so there were other folks that he was hired to murder apparently so he was said to have had a hand in jam master jay's death but i don't know if he that was an allegation still but there were other folks that he was charged with murder and federal authorities did accuse him in connection with the attempted murder of 50 cent so and then he did have ties to murder inc which was the crew that um, Ja Rule had run with. Let's say Majestic is based on his character. Interesting stuff. Learn a lot watching these films, which is I, I enjoy doing this with you guys. Right on. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So, there were a couple, a couple familiar faces in this movie um, from movies that we've, we've reviewed. <laughs> So, our man Mark John Jeffries, yes, who played, who played a young Marcus, um, in this movie, also played Lil C's in Notorious. Yes, <laughs> and he also played a young Dre in Brown Sugar. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. I was like, I know this kid from somewhere. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't look deep enough into his. Yeah, no. but yes. Yeah, then we had o- Omar Benson Miller, who played Curl in mm-hmm. Marcus's crew. Mm-hmm. Played Soul George in Eight Mile. Yep. Be Rabbits Boys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, look at that. <laughs> and of course, you know, we mentioned, you know, Terrence Howard playing Bama. Um, was our man DJ in Hustle and Flow. What did I come across? Oh, yes. Uncredited, um, an uncredited appearance by McKelty Williamson, oh, who played right. Charlene's stepfather, was Uncle George in ATL. <laughs> yes, that's right. Or his most famous role would be Bubba from Forrest Gump. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't think who else, would I, who else did I catch? We've done old. one or two Bill Duke uh, movies before. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bill Duke, yes. Lamar, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Bill Duke. He was the cop in um, 
um, Menace Society um, that attacked, that actually had Kane in the interrogation room. Oh, that's right. It really yeah. messed up, right? Yeah. That thing. <laughs> yes. Up, right? He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I use that one all the time. <laughs> oh, let's see. We got Leon. Oh, yeah, Leon. Leon, what, Leon was in. What was Leon in? That we, that we Above the rim, for sure. Yeah. Above the rim, rim. yes. <laughs> he, was, yes. he was a baller. Yeah. Yes. Corduroy pants. That's right. Corduroy <laughs> pants. <laughs> he looked like a fisherman. He looked like the Gordon's fisherman. Longshore <laughs> fisherman, draining threes. <laughs> Coming off the bench. Instant offense. Yes. Yes, yes. I forget. How can I forget about that one? But that was a good cast. A lot of familiar faces. He had a great Viola, Viola Davis. Yes, and that's right. Viola who Davis, actually played yeah. Viola Greer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't say her name, but I'm like, oh, Viola Greer. Grandma. You know? And uh, my man uh, Sullivan Walker, who played Grandpa, who played one of my favorite Huxley, um, Cosby Show characters. I forgot his name. He was a doctor that worked with with Cliff Huxtable, he would come over and play patonk <laughs> in the backyard with him. So I said, oh. you remember him? You know, Joy Bryant's always a star. I mean, whatever she's in. Um, Majestic. Adewale Okun- Okunuye. He's good, too. I've seen him a bunch he's of He's very time. good. He's yeah. a great actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, like, he, the way he's able to turn his accent off, on and off through different roles is amazing because he didn't even have one in this movie. <laughs> say, like, wow. Nope. Yep. Yeah, he's he's good. He's really good. And I was it was a it was a good cast. Everybody, I mean, you know, I don't think there's a cinematic masterpiece, but it was very entertaining to watch. And every I think everyone who performed, you know, pretty did a pretty good pretty good job. Yeah, directed by Jim Sheridan, who also did like Daniel Day Lewis movies, like My Left Foot in the Name of the Father, like big deal movies, and he's, oh, and he's got he's got Fifty Cent in another movie. Yeah, and he, um, I was reading that they originally hired an acting coach for Fifty Cent mm-hmm. because he had never acted, and then they said, you know, we don't need you anymore. I think he's good. He's got that charisma, and uh, Jim Sheridan said. If you don't look good at this, it's my fault. I didn't direct you well enough. He just took it onto himself yeah. to to make sure it was successful. They, they did I think they should have kept their acting coach. <laughs> I mean, he's okay. He's, yeah, he's right, okay. Right. Yeah, he's. Uh, but there were some scenes where I thought, oh, he, it just didn't work. And I think that some of my criticisms of the movie is like, man, you see Terrence Howard just like just chew up scenes. And he doesn't really show up until the end. Like he's in the beginning, but then he doesn't really show up until near the end. It's like, oh, <laughs> this is what uh, uh, skilled, you know, experienced actors can do. And I even read that Sam Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, they asked him to be in this movie, and he wouldn't do it because he was afraid of being in a film with someone who was, you know, inexperienced like that. Then they were in a movie later on, but. <laughs> There were also protests about this film, I think, because it. They, some people thought it glorified the violent crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't glorified it at all. No, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it did. Yeah, that was probably unjustified, but there were protests nonetheless. 
Yeah, people just get on. I want to say up in arms about it, but yeah, I mean, the movies have a rating for a reason, right? The rated R yeah, for violence. Right. You understand yeah. what you're getting into, and I, it was pretty violent. Yeah. Definitely so, violent. So, so one thing about the movie that I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't know if I, I can't say I didn't like it, but I think it moved a little too quickly. Was the end. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I think the way the movie ended was it just I think kind of rushed us through a little bit. Yeah. So you see this scene I would agree. Where, where they're they're at Pelham Hall, you know, ready to perform, and Majestic walks in and wants to talk with them, and then like that whole they, they tussle, and and then you know Marcus gets the upper hand, and as he's walking out, he runs behind him, and um, Bama shoots him, and it's like, wow, that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he walks out on stage and just takes off his, his bulletproof vest. Like, all right. <laughs> like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe that would happen like that. You know, you know, because all right, you, you look at Majestic. He wasn't by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he walks in with all of these with his entourage. He gets shot, and that's it. Like nobody. Yeah, nothing. That no, like. Not even a peep. Knockdown, drag out. Uh, you know, right. Not even an entire even battle royale. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Nobody swung, throw another punch or nothing. Everybody just kind of stood around and watched. Or was it that majestic was that bad of a a boss that people just didn't care about it? Yeah, we're like, hmm? you know what? He deserved it. <laughs> they turned on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah what was coming to him? He's like, what do you what mean, did, we? <laughs> we saw what he did to Odell. And yeah. Yeah. Like, turn. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, he could come turn I'm on like, us, too. Yeah. It was, yeah. That, but know. It, you know, one of the criticisms I read about this movie, it, it does seem uneven. Like, sometimes it goes too slow and sometimes it goes too fast. And so, yeah. Okay, I, I could see that. I, I kind of agree. It sort of just fast forward to the end where he's, oh, now he's a performer. <laughs> Yeah, he's out on stage. Like he almost <laughs> got, you almost got killed, and now you're performing. <laughs> it's just like clean up on aisle five. I'm out here. Remove this, please. The manager just killed the biggest guy in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going to happen now? Like, you're gonna like, and that's definitely not the time to be walking out without a vest on because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, I don't know. You know. <laughs> Interesting choices. Yeah, but other than that, I, other than that, I was like, okay. Some of the other stuff, regardless of how it went down, I kind of could, could believe it either way. Yeah, yeah, I guess that could kind of happen. Yeah, I guess that could happen. When I saw that part, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I had a similar criticism, if you recall, menace, menace the society ending. So much happened in the last like. 10 minutes. It was like they were tying up loose ends. It's like this fight scene and this retaliation and, and the, you know, everything comes to a head like so quickly after. <laughs> and it's like sometimes they try to fit scenes to the script and it's a little uneven, like you said. Overall, I, I definitely I, I'll say this. I refuse. When I was, when this movie came out, I refused to watch it. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I have no desire to watch it. Because <laughs> at the time he was trolling everybody, and I was just like, yeah, I don't, yeah, good. I don't need to hear about you getting shot, and I don't need to see it on film either. Yeah, 
But um, after watching this, I would definitely say that I probably should have watched it when it came out. And I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I probably will watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our ratings then. So you would say bring that funky flick back. Bring that funky flick back. Or leave it in the vault. Yeah, I'd bring that funky <laughs> flick back. Because I definitely, there was aspects of it that I definitely found entertaining. And like this kind of, I like these kind of movies for some odd reason, even though I have no desire to join that lifestyle or that, and, and be out there like that. I just like mm-hmm. watching them. I don't know why. Yeah, it's easier to watch them into the action <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. how, how about you, Dana Wright? Bring that funky flick back or leave it in the vault? <sighs> this was a tough one. You know, th- I'm right on the edge. And as, as flawed and as much as I thought, eh, this story wasn't all that compelling, I'm going to bring this funky flick back because the performances are really good. Even 50 Cent in some spots was, was really good. I mean, he really did cry in the, in, in the one scene and. You know that's that's good acting. <laughs> yeah, cry on demand. <laughs> They're cutting onions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will also bring the funky flick back just because it is the origin story of Fifty Cent. You know, a rags to riches story, and even though it's not one hundred percent autobiographical, it is his. It is really his story and his acting debut. Yep, not without his flaws, but. Bring it yes. back. It's something that true hip hop heads should see. Mm-hmm. This fifty cent movie is seventy five percent accurate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hip hop movie club is produced by your HHMCs. JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. B music by Boogie. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. Shout out to you listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate, articulate. Don't slur your speech unless you have a bullet in your tongue. (laughs) Bullet fragments in your tongue. (laughs) You don't have fragments in your tongue, no slurring. Yeah. (laughs) Don't mumblecore this. (laughs) You know, 50 Cent's name is actually from a a gangster? Uh, Yes. Yeah, right. Named Calvin Martin. I didn't know that until I I did some additional research on this one. Same. Yeah. I like the I like the idea. It's a, a metaphor for change. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. <laughs> Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram, Brain underscore Freeze underscore Trivia double underscore Time. That's Brain Freeze Trivia Time on Instagram. <laughs>